Tax Network production. This is the Fly Moto 60 Show. Presented by Impact. On PulpMX.com. Taking your calls and looking ahead to the races. With your host, Steve Mathis. It's Thursday. It's noon Pacific. It's February 6, 2014. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAP. Thank you to everyone listening live or the archives. We appreciate it. It's a look ahead to next weekend's Supercross, or this weekend's Supercross in San Diego, otherwise known as Wales Vagina. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Jason Thomas coming up. Perhaps Jason Wygant. He's down at the stadium for uh, press day. We're going to try to get him and... Maybe a rider. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, as always, we thank Fly Racing for coming on board. They designed the racewear to complement a rider's natural movements on the motorcycle. No unnecessary distractions, straightforward, no nonsense. Function, fit, and style. As always, Fly Racing are distributed exclusively by Western Power Sports. Fly Racing, also the gear of choice of Weston Pike, who is just absolutely killing it right now as a full, full privateer. And of course, NFAB, we, this show is presented by NFAB. Proud associate sponsor of JGR Yamaha. Also, we're going to see some change with Filthy Phil coming in this weekend um, for JGR, so that should be cool as I hit my mic. Um, I think that'll be uh, an interesting thing to talk about with our guests. And also, uh, NFAB, dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hottest-looking, hardest-working accessories from NFAB. Probably hand-built in Houston, Texas, USA. NFAB offers step systems, light mounting systems, bumpers, and more. Take your ride to the next level. To learn more about NFAB products, visit n-fab.com. All right, everybody. Uh, like I said, we're looking ahead to um, San Diego this weekend, but we before we do that, we got to give some tickets away to San Diego. You want two tickets to San Diego Supercross courtesy of NFAB? Call in right now. 702-586-7857. 702-586-PULP. Two tickets to San Diego, all-access pit passes, courtesy of the folks at NFAB. Go over and tell Filthy Phil. Uh, good luck, and tell him that uh, you want some tickets from NFAB, and uh, maybe that'll provide him with the inspiration that he needs. 702-586-7857. We will take the first caller that wants some, a pair of tickets to San Diego. Also giving away a neat freak backpack from Fly Racing today. Just going to give it away to a random caller. That's it. Just uh, That's all it takes. This thing's got uh, uh, an MP3 protective pocket. It's got multi-level compartment. It's got a laptop sleeve in it. Oh, yeah. Stealth waist belt. It's the top-of-the-line Neat Freak backpack from Fly Racing. We're going to just give away to that. We can give that thing away to a random caller. Uh, it's going to be that that easy. And uh, so we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Fly Motor Racing, Fly Racing Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Uh, we're getting good ratings for this thing. I'm, I'm pumped on it. You, you guys seem to be tuning in uh, live and, um, and uh, on, uh, on, the, on the archives. Carlos. Yeah, what's up, man? How come you don't already have tickets to San Diego? What, uh, what happened? They're really expensive. They raise the price every single year. Really? Those bastards. Um, it gets a good crowd though, so I guess that's why they're doing it. Uh, all right, man, you win the you win the tickets. So thanks, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. We we appreciate you listening. Uh, NFAB will get those out to you probably. Uh, I think the next day air these things. So stay on the line. Um, our producer will get the information from you. Uh, just stay on the hold. And thanks, man. All right, thanks a lot, Steve. All right. Oh, by the way, my name is uh, Steve Mathis. With me, uh, producing the show, handling the callers behind the scenes, and dealing with uh, really everything that goes on behind the scenes, including avoiding getting attacked by Rocky the Bassett. The Tits Legendary Tits, what's up? Hello, Steven. Um, your guy, Ryan Dungey. Once again, the angry Dunge. 
uh-huh. is back, but he crashes out. Very undunge like. It's not working for him. I like it. Right. But at the same time, his results are not doing him any favors. I'm with you. Um, I like it too. Very, very, very good to see though. Um, but yeah, bummer about his mechanical. Yeah, he sticks it in on Stu this weekend, jumps yeah. into a corner. Yeah, he was back. And then yeah. one lap later, he goes down. Hardcore. So, uh, too bad for Ryan Dungey fans like yourself that he's uh, got a lot of points to make up now. Mm-hmm. So does he stay angry, Dunge, or does he – what does he do? I think uh, hopefully he can find a happy medium. <laughs> uh, but in the long run, I think he's going to go back to regular Dunge and uh, – Try to try to get this thing through consistency. Try to actually have some, some decent results. Well, you know, we, 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 Consistent heard, we heard from Roger DeCoster that – he indeed did talk to Ryan about trying to be more aggressive. So I guess if you're Ryan Dungy, you can go to him and go, look, I'm doing what you told me, and look, I, I have no points. So who knows? 702-586-7857. Uh, give us a call uh, to talk Supercross um, this week in San Diego. Chad Reed's house. Perhaps the uh, one of the most successful racers in San Diego is uh, Chad Reed. And, and after his Anaheim 3 win, the dude is uh, – Killing it right now and looking forward to uh, – he's two points out of the lead and he's got San Diego and that's a stadium he's always done well on. Trying to go after his Kawasaki teammate, Ryan Villapoto. Remember when Reed rode Kawasaki before? It was terrible. Obviously a different bike. A lot of people ask me about that. The, the frame's different. Chassis is different uh, all around. Uh, the different motor work you've learned. Uh, suspension is all air forks now compared to what before. It's really apples to oranges. Um, it's a green bike still, but – Definitely nothing that you can say like, well, why is he doing so good on the Kawasaki as from before? That's not even a, not even a real argument. It's a much different bike. So, and it, obviously it's uh, going well for Chad Reed. So, give us a call. Let us know what you think. Seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven on the Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB. I want to get uh, Jason Wygan on here and Jason Thomas um, and talk to them about what they think is going to happen. And uh, looking back a little bit on A three, I don't like doing that too much, but uh, Jason Thomas wrote a pretty compelling. Um, column this uh this week on racer x about the quad and it's two weeks in a row where the winner has not done this quad jump out on the track we remember in oakland ground Villapoto didn't do it and uh this weekend in anaheim there was a three four that uh reed never even attempted all day and only about uh, three four guys did it so it's interesting to see um that you don't necessarily need to do that and like i said jason thomas from fly racing wrote his own column on it welcome to the show jt did you say compelling? I did. Compelling, yes. Oh, I like that. Um, what t- just give us a little uh, summary for those who don't read uh, what you saw in that 3-4 section. I mean, look, we saw Tomac do it. Brayton did it. Um, James did it. Dunge did it. Uh, Shorty did it. Uh, yep. Maybe a few other guys. What? But they, you didn't need to do It was faster. There was no doubt it was faster. Uh, yeah, but what? Why didn't the guys do it in the main? Why didn't it help them? Uh, I definitely think it was faster um, in a neutral environment. But what I saw happening was the track was kind of going away. The turn was getting worse and worse. So yes, the times that they did execute it, it still was faster. Uh, what was happening though is they were having to come, basically square the turn up, come to a stop, uh, and then if they and then there were still times where they didn't actually make the jump, like whatever happened, they cased the first three or they didn't get a good run or whatever happened. So if you average that all out over 20 laps, um, you know, Chad was the fastest through their average time, and he never jumped at once. So uh, I, I just thought it was funny that, you know, he we were arguing about it all day, and, he you know, I was calling him names because he wouldn't jump and blah, 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 and then it turned out 
being that he really didn't need to do it. So um, just one of those things where usually a big jump like that makes a huge difference in time, and you kind of have to do it. Yeah. And that's you know what we saw at Oakland. Uh, it was a huge advantage, but then it, it was a little bit different this weekend. The um, the and you're saying the exit of the berm before to do the three, you got to do the three to do the four, right? And, and to do the three, the exit of the turn was uh, beat up, chopped out uh, from acceleration marks and things where you had to to get a smooth run at it. You had to pull out of the berm early. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, the turn just got you know the burn basically went away, and then it got rough on top of that. And as icy as it was, you couldn't you needed you needed a burn basically. So, yeah. uh, it, basically, those guys were having to slow way down to set up for the first three, and right. then you, you started losing that advantage you know that you, that you had. Uh, and then especially if you add in um, you know a few times of missing it, your overall time over twenty laps starts to drop dramatically. What about the? Uh... Now that's two weeks in a row. The guy didn't do the quad that won, so it's interesting that you don't need to do it. But what about all the times? And and it's interesting, but yet it's not because um, obviously the number of races, supercross races that you've done and I've been to and walked the track, it's a pretty uh, consistent thing where a jump in practice doesn't end up being done in the main event. Yeah, you know. We we typically call it when we're I know when we're talking the, walking the track and stuff we call it basically the race line. Um, you right. know, there, there's a lot of things that guys can pull off in practice and uh, like look at me, look how far I can jump, kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about putting down consistent fast laps over a race, that it, it really doesn't work. Uh, whether you have to set up too much or whether it's yeah. just too inconsistent or whatever the situation is, if you have to leave the door open to do it. Um, and I didn't feel that that was going to play out that way this past weekend. I didn't either. And I, no. Yeah, and I think in a on a normal track where the, the if the dirt's a little better, it normally would have stayed. That would have been the fast line, I think, at a track like Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the way the dirt was and, and that berm going away and getting rough and and no traction, et cetera. Right. Uh, it just played that. It played out that way. Yeah, there's no doubt. I I, I don't know if you heard, I might have mentioned it a few times that uh, that I that I work for Tim Ferry as a mechanic. I don't know. Um, not really familiar with with him, but okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. So he used to race. Um. But I, I, there were so many times walking the track where he'd be like, "Yeah, they're going to do this, but it's not. They're not going to do it in the main. I'm not going to bother." Like he wasn't a big jumper guy, and uh, he was just like, "I'm going to just do this for 20 laps, yeah, and not, you know, not not screw it." And that happened a lot on track walk with that guy. So yeah, yeah. I think that works. It works sometimes, but not all the time. Right. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I think his his theory was it's safer. I, I know I can do this every single time. But there are there are weekends where it doesn't pay off, and yeah. um, you end up thinking, man, if I would have jumped that jump, I could have finished here, much like Chad Reed at Oakland. So yeah, um, so San Diego this weekend. I checked the weather. Sometimes we get rain in San Diego, and uh, yep. this weekend, sixty-two and cloudy Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So we're probably not going to see rain. But I understand it's it supposed to be raining today. Though. Yeah, I understand it's raining maybe down there today. Um, right. So that's good. So we've had some, we've had some mutters and some shitty races in San Diego over the years, but. So Chad Reed, um, why is he so good there? What is it? Do you think? Do you, do you... Uh, I think he's he's good in those conditions when it's a little off. You know, we've seen him at Daytona. You know, the year his bike broke, he crushed everyone. I think he 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 excels when the conditions get worse. Um, I think when the when the track's perfect, everything's ideal. I think he is not the best at going one lap fast or, or just flat-out speed on a perfect track. So 
when the conditions get tougher or the, the traction goes away or all these things, I think that's his technique, and, and he's so experienced that I think he does well. Yeah, but why why San Diego though? Like, what well, I've seen. I think we've seen mud there. We've seen mud okay. in 2005. Okay. It was muddy when he caught Ricky. We saw mud in 2010 um, when Millsaps won. You know, we've seen bad conditions there. Um, a lot of the races he's won as well. It's been very very slippery. Uh, I think the San Diego dirt is very similar to Anaheim when it's when it's ideal conditions. So. Right. Um, you know, he's he's tied for the all-time wins at Anaheim, and I, I don't see the conditions being much different between San Diego and Anaheim without right. any rain involved. Right. Uh, yeah, looking it up, he's the six all-time win at San Diego with six wins. So, okay. Um, and remember last year, in his in his crappiest year ever, perhaps, uh, he was going, catching Davey Millsaps. Millsaps? Who was it? He was catching somebody when he washed out. Like it Yeah, was, uh, he was catching Millsaps. Yeah, it was, um, it, we were on the verge of maybe seeing another. Another unlikely San Diego win for Chad yeah, and I, I, th- I really think he would have. I think he was. Of course, you pace- you love him. Well, I, I think he was pacing the guy. I think he's good at that, and right, I think right. he finds a weakness and then he exploits it at the end. Uh, um, he's done it. He's done it quite a, quite a bit in his career. He just he, and he says he sits on people. That's kind of what he uses. He just sits on their wheel. It's kind of a bicycling term. And you just sit there and you find where they're slow, find where they're fast, and at the last you know last couple laps, you you basically don't tip your hand until it's too late for them to respond to it. Uh, but I really feel that that's what he was he was basically doing in that situation, and really in no time in the rest of the year was he capable of that other than that race. Uh, yeah, pretty much, right? Hey, Kyle's been on hold for a while. Let's get to him. Uh, Kyle, thanks for calling the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. What's on your mind, bro? Uh, I just want had a quick question. Like, um, as far as like press day goes and everything, mm-hmm. um, I'm aware that they, you know, they only they only do like a portion of the track, correct? Yeah, some back in the day they used to let us uh, let let you guys do all the track, JT. But now yeah, it depends. Sometimes yeah. they still do. Oh, they, it do depends they? on okay. what they have done. Right, right. Now, now what I'm gonna um, do? Do they actually after press done, press day is all done over with until you know Saturday? Do they at all make any minor changes to where it's, it's back to an even playing field in a sense, to where it's even for all riders for the for the guys that haven't been on it during press day? Or they just leave it the same to where those guys have pretty much got extra seat time on that portion of the track. Yeah, the the track that they get to ride will be the same. The whoops the whoops are never in. Like they'll never usually. Well, I shouldn't say never, but typically they'll never have the whoops in for the Thursday press, and those guys won't ride on any whoops at all. Which is you know how Friday practice for everyone used to be. Uh, but the rest of the track, if they get to ride on a section, that's going to be the same. You know, nine times out of ten or, or more. Okay, that's cool. I was just, I was just thought that you know that, almost thought that was a little like not really unfair, but you know like uh, well, they kind of get they kind of get a head start in a sense, you know. Well, you they can, they do and they yeah. do and and they try to include you know. Unfortunately for some privateers, I under, can understand how that's not fair, but at the same time they probably wouldn't be racing with these guys anyway. Yeah. Um, but they try to do two teams. Uh, well, basically, I'm sorry. Uh, every team gets to do two races a year on press, so they try to even it out and make it fair for everyone. But you can oh. definitely, hey, Kyle, it's funny, though. You can tell first practice which guys did press day and which section. They normally come out and, like, I think it was one of the Anaheims, uh, Roxon and Barsha, KTM and Honda did it. And there was some over-the-tabletop thing at one of the races. I think it was A2. And the guys just like, Rah! and they're just, so you're like, oh, yeah, I guess who did, those guys did press day. But really, in this day and age, Kyle, the guys figure it out pretty quick. It's not really an advantage, do you think, JT? Yeah, I, don't, I really I, don't I, think I, it I is. Um, those guys figure out the track so quickly. Anything. Uh, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. Now, now another question is because the press day it comes up a lot quicker than Saturday. What about like for the guys that actually build the track and tear down the tough blocks and set them up? I mean, like, is it like a two two man crew where like one dude's always set, going around setting it up and one, the second crew always comes along behind them and you know wraps it all up in a sense? And like, how long does it take to set up a track and tear it down? They get in on Tuesday. JT, I think. Uh, depending, yeah, they have yeah. traveling crews, and then you know it's usually the same crew for all these. But a lot of weekends they'll have two different crews. One will go in, one will leave. Basically, as soon as they get done setting up, they'll go to the next weekend. Especially if there's a weather issue, they get in there really early and build the track and, and cover it. And the track's out of there, Kyle, by Sunday morning by 7 a.m. It's done. Yeah, it's an all-night deal, and they're yeah. out of there. Yep. Wow. So, uh, also to uh, press day. Good chance to – they usually have uh, good sandwiches and catering and everything, in case you guess you're wondering. Oh, no. oh good. Yeah. It's, it's, I got the munchies. Not so bad. <laughs> do you guys still have that backpack? We still have the backpack, yeah. Yeah, we do. But we're going to – Can I wear it? Yeah. I like your questions, Kyle. They're pretty strong, but we're going to hold on to it for a little bit. All right. All right. Sorry, sorry, bro. Oh, you know what? People want the backpack. They want the neat freak backpack. JT, you probably have one of these. I do. It's actually, I'm staring at it right now. Do you bring it up? Uh, Nathan, what's happening? Filthy Phil. Filthy, bro. He's back. Dude, here's the deal. I've got his jersey when he crashed out of Washougal. Good luck or bad luck if I'm wearing it Saturday. Ooh, ask the rider. Ask the rider here on the, on the line. He's here. JT. Oh, no, just, just I don't, Nathan. I don't well, think it matters, honestly. I mean, you, you, no, I don't think it matters. No, I don't I'm think so, he'll well, know or care or matter. <laughs> He won't know, care, or matter. <laughs> I'll get style points, though, so that's all that matters. What's that? I think he would appreciate the support more than be worried about some weird karma from crashing out. Free, filthy. I'll, dude, I'll, tweet, I'll tweet the shit out of it. Yeah, dude, do there it. There you go. Free, filthy Phil. He is, uh, he is out. He is free. Thanks, Nathan. Hey, I'm, what? I'm a senior in college. Broke my backpack zipper yesterday. Stuffing bag in. The Jansport? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good time, dude. I've had it like seven years since I was in High school, and I'm like, what the hell, you know? Uh, this, these guys I've been the... carrying my bags around, or my books around, in like one of those reusable grocery bags. All right, and it know, hasn't caught on yet. You know I have not Nathan, visit your local fly dealer and pick yourself up a neat freak. Nathan, I'm just going to let JT decide. I'm, I'm <laughs> No, this is your show. You not, uh, nope, JT, you, say, you call it. You call it. Whether you believe Nathan, A, believe Nathan, or B, want to give Nathan the backpack. I'm, I'm just a oh, guest on you show. Picture. Sorry. No, Nathan, you're out. Sorry, bud. Thanks, though. Oh. I know. I, just, I, I didn't believe his story. I didn't believe it. <laughs> um, it was a suspect. Like, who's bringing their bags in a grocery bag? Come on, right? <laughs> Carlos, what's up, man? Hey, Steve. So uh, I was reading the Monday conversation interview I think you did with Chad after A3, and I think it's, I think it's hard to think that Chad Reed at 31 is you know, more physically in his prime than he was when he was, say, 26. Do you think that deep down he believes that he raced the best there ever was when he raced Carmichael and Prime Stewart? Because he said something like he didn't, he doesn't think that these guys are faster than those guys. So he what did do you guys say think that. about those uh, comments? I didn't do the interview. Uh, that was Weege, but I read it. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I, I find, I found it hard to believe also just for the fact because RC is RC and Stewart back then. I mean, there was nobody going more balls out than James Stewart. And on two strokes, too, which I think are harder. So I'm not 100% buying it, but, hey, he's the racer. What do you think, JT? I think that the skill sets are very similar. Uh, I just, like, you know, I think the bikes are have created a faster pace. 
Um, I think I think more what he meant was that they're not they haven't reinvented the wheel or they're not doing anything that would just be like oh man I can't believe we're doing that now we could never do that then I just think the bikes have allowed them to go faster you know I think lap on the watch their their times would be a lot faster but it's really what the bikes are allowing them to do versus you know the skill sets evolving so much for sure like I mean obviously the bikes are you know they're they're going faster you know stopwatch wise but. It just seems like he almost respected those guys a little more. Like, he, he believed he could beat all these guys. And I, I think at times maybe he didn't think he could beat those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Carmichael was in his head a little bit, as much as you can get into Chad Reed's head. You think I think outdoors he was. Supercross, I'm, I'm telling you, I, there would be so many weekends we would come home and I would see James Stewart or Carmichael or these guys beat him bad. I'm right. talking like yeah. half a track. And we would come home, and I'd be like, hey, you know, let's, let's work on this. I, I watched the video a bunch of times. I can see where they're faster here and there. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, but I just need to get, I need to get myself right. I need to get my bike better and worry about me. I, I don't care what they're doing. If, and he would always say that if I get myself right and I get my bike right, then I can beat them. I, I'm not worried about what they're doing. I, I'll just worry about what I'm doing and, and making myself be 100%. So I, I don't think that because I've heard him talk really, really highly about Villapoto, higher than I would have ever expected him to say, um, to the point where he was like, man, I, I don't know if any of us can beat him. You know, in the past couple of years, I've heard him say that. So I don't think it was a respect level. I just think he knows that when everything is perfect for him and he's happy, he knows he can beat anyone. But a lot of times that's not the case for him. So uh, I, th- I just think we're in a situation right now where he, he is happy and he has a lot of confidence. All right. All right. Yeah, thanks for thanks, taking the call. Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, it's uh, interesting for sure. Um, I want to talk about Supercross, but we got a lot of lines on hold. What do we do? Um, I say answer them. I know, right? We probably should. Otherwise, people won't call back, and then they won't listen, and then the show will suck. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, not much. It's kind of a question. I mean, it probably won't really happen, but as far as, like, the Chisholm situation, mm-hmm. I mean, is it something in the future, like, with now with, the, uh, you know, the semi and last chance coming so quick that they have, like, a backup bike that they tech? So that way they can, you know, like they do it in road racing, yeah. GP. Yeah, they, that kind of. They don't do it in uh, in America. They never have. They do it in the GPs too, in motocross GPs also. Um, yeah, it just seems with time constraints uh, that they would kind of try to do something. You know maybe. what? That, that that's a good point, Chris. I'm going to bring that up to the AMA this weekend, like because Chisholm had no shot at getting a motor put in uh, for the for the was it semi or the semi between the semi and the LCQ? Yeah, he blew it up in the. He blew in the semi. Yeah. Am I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, no chance for the LCQ. Like I don't, even with myself changing. I mean, one of the top mechanics ever out there. Uh, I think it's possible. Larry Ward did it. Atlanta, two thousand and three. Yeah, but that was probably a different, different, more time. You know, I, I two stroke. I just a little think, bit easier. No, we did stroke. wait. I was sitting on the line, so trust me, we did wait on him. Yeah, and they, they whole shot in one, which I was very unhappy about. <laughs> yeah, they they don't wait anymore because of TV. And right. it, it, Larry's was a four stroke too, though, uh, Chris. Um, okay, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so maybe not no chance. Maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating, but there's very little chance. It's tough, and uh, why not do it? Why not let these guys tech two bikes, right? If you can do it, I mean, yeah. yeah I guess what's the, you know, the, yeah. they have the one, and then they, you know, the tech can release the second one if it breaks. Yeah. And... Po- problem is, is if you did that, I don't know how many teams would have it. Like, I don't even know if Cycle Trader Rock River would be able to have another bike. You know, like, they're not... Yeah, but what about, like, their practice bike? I mean, it's got to be semi-decent that they're practicing, not practicing yeah, but during the week. That's that's only for five California rounds, you know? Yeah. So, they're not going to... The rider's not going to have it on the truck all the time, so... Um, yeah, but, but no, a lot of the big no. teams, I mean, it's going to matter to them. Cause they're 
yeah. you know, going for a title or yeah, yeah, no, no. I, uh, well, supposedly, supposedly, I've heard this from a few guys that if you get the bike into the into the pit and you have a full team ready to tear it apart, they can have the motor in and out and back up there in twenty minutes. No way. That's what I've been told. No way. Not a four-stroke yep. motor. That's what I've been told. No. I mean, but if you're in the last semi and then the last chance, I mean, is it a twenty? I, I, I don't even think there's twenty minutes in there. Yeah. It's going to be close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, all good points. And twenty minutes, maybe, yeah, maybe JT. But I, I, I can't see a four-stroke motor in twenty minutes. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's just okay. what I right. heard. Thanks, Chris. Okay, thanks. Thank you. More calls. Uh, Tyson, what's up, man? Got a question for you guys about Chad Reed's podium speech. Yes. We all know how Chad likes to just kind of throw things out there, just to kind of stir the pot. His comment on. Well, I watched James Stewart's interview during his heat race, and James said it's all about setups, so that's what I did. Was he just being having fun, or was he trying to stir the pot a little bit? No, I think he was genuine. What do you think, JT? I I actually didn't see it. What did what did he? What was he referring to? Chad told me the same thing after the race. He said that uh, he saw he, he watched James's interview on TV, um, mm-hmm. and James said, "You know, this is going to re- this is a real uh, slippery track. It's going to depend a lot on setup and start." Okay. And Chad said, "You know, I kind of I agree. I setup was important, and he made some changes to his bike." Um, he did, and um, and he said it was odd, not unlike him, because you know he didn't hadn't ridden it or whatever. So the changes he made, so oh yeah, for the main event, he yeah. he made some significant changes. Yeah, so um, and, you know I, I'm not going to give away what he did or didn't do, but I know he was a bit nervous going to the line for the main event, um, and I know he alluded to some chassis changes and stuff, but I think there was more to it than that, even. So uh, I you hear these guys say a lot of times on the podium if things you hear it more than. You know, when things go wrong, you know, they, I made a bad decision or I made a gamble and didn't pay off, especially with tires or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, but th- I think this is one case where he, you know, they gambled and got it right. Yeah, like Stu a few years ago, he said, uh, I went to a different front tire for Daytona, Maine. He's like, it was terrible. You know, yep. and, and hey, like, these guys are at that level where I, I believed them. You know, I, I think, no, yeah, I mean, for I don't sure. Think it, I, I, yeah. You know, they're they're not making it up. There's there's definitely a lot of times where the heat is just not right, and there's you don't have any chance to really try it. You're just like, okay, this is our data, this is our testing info yeah. that we have, so we're going to make the best decision we can. And sometimes it's not right. Yeah. Thanks, Tyson. Cool. See you. All right. Uh, let's knock down some more callers. Brian, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Nothing. Um, Thanks for calling. I'm just the wondering if they're going to have any uh, format changes for Supercross. Um. Well, they added semis this year. What more do you want? Well, Small. No, bit. like the like the cup. You know what I mean? Like any other any of that coming. Uh, I I mean, I talked to Dave Prater about it. He'd like to do some of that stuff. Um, maybe have a few races with a couple different main events. Um, he'd like to have a Joker Lane here and there. But none of these teams seem to be really letting them do it or wanting them to do it. But I mean. No immediate plans, no, nothing in the in the future. But I do know that Feld wants to try some stuff, and I'm in. I'm in yeah, it was just a big talk there, like a couple months ago after the cup. That's yeah, all. no, I uh, I hope I hope they do. I hope they do. I know they're looking at it. So there's that, Brian. All right, one more question. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What do you think Filthy's finish is going to be this weekend? Yep. Or just in life? Um, uh, <laughs> no, um, I, I should have known this weekend. I was just making fun. Um, yeah. I'm going to say. 13. JT? Yeah, that's okay. JT? It's funny because I have the same similar number in my head. Um, Yeah, I'd say anywhere from 12 to 15 is a pretty safe bet. Yep. Okay. All right, right, man. Thank you. Cool, guys. Thanks a lot.
Uh, what about Ivan Tedesco and his 350 JT? Uh, I noticed you didn't weigh in on the rapid reaction. It's probably a good thing, too, by the way. No, um, Ping stole my spot. Um, people people got very upset at me. Um, but Ping mirrored my opinion. Do you do you think it's good? Do you th- I Obviously, look at I ate some crow. Ivan Tedesco had his best season finish ever. You know, Dungey crashed out, though. And, but anyways, um, he still, what do you think of this bike? He, he, he says he likes it. He likes the lighter weight. It allows him to charge harder for longer. But I think, you know, if you ask Andrew Short to ride it, he'd retire. So, Yes, I, I generally don't think that it's a good idea. There's always an exception to the rule. Maybe Ivan is it. But generally, I think that it is a bad idea to go to a 350 in Supergrass for, you know, yeah. as a general rule. I do, right. yes. Uh, Brandon. Brandon, you want to know if. Stu went into Dungey's hauler after the race. Um, yeah, I can't you find that out. I can't get anybody to tell me. No, I, I I sent out a couple texts, but never heard back. No, no idea. Well, and, and nobody ever nobody ever brought it. Well, I guess maybe we did it in observations or something, but nobody ever brought up the fact that Dungey was faster than him, and he obviously wasn't going to let him buy. So, yeah, um, observations is my column. First of all, Brandon, it's not we just. Well, th- oh, we my just, bad. I just, thought I thought he rode on there. No, so. no, he's terrible. Sorry, he, sure. would, he would never ride on there. <laughs> No, um, um, yeah, I mean, Stu, Stu, he was catching Stu, for sure, no doubt about it. Um, I didn't hear anything. JT, did you? I think somebody brought that up on our podcast, right? Yeah, but, I heard that it was a pretty reliable source, but we never got any yeah. further verification. Right. Yeah, Ber- Ber- Berluti brought it up, I think. Oh, Berluti, okay, yeah. 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 Um, I, th- I, th- I'm, I feel safe saying if Berluti said it and he said it was a pretty strong source that it, that it happened. That it probably happened, right. Yeah. So is this going to maybe change his uh, for angry Dungy back to normal Dungy, you think, after Stu getting in his you, face? You know, uh, well, I don't know about that so much as if you're angry Dunge, you've now crashed out of a race, you crashed out while you were leading, and am I missing one one more race? What happened to him after – what happened to him in Oakland? Uh, oh, he got fourth. He just got fourth. Yeah. Uh, he, went, uh, he went for the quad, which we wouldn't have thought. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think if you're if you're Dunge, you know, we heard from Wygant that DeCoster said that they indeed did talk to him. Maybe if you're Ryan, you're saying, "Look at, I I did everything you guys wanted me to do, and I got crashed out of one race while leading, and crashed and broke my bike in the other one." So maybe maybe he goes back. I don't know. <laughs> All right, th- thanks, Brian. awesome. All right, thank thanks, you, uh, Motley Lou. What's going on, Steve? What up, man? I got to change my subject here. What's the what's the uh, chanceability of a Ryan Dungey interview on the Pulp Show now that Pookie's taking selfies with Dunge? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, she did not identify herself as a Mathis before the picture, <laughs> so there, you know there, there was that. I've 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 reached out to Ryan to be. He's first of all, I believe he did the second ever Pulp Amex show, so he's been on the show. Um, uh, he I did a couple podcasts with him. I've asked him a couple times, um, and uh, he's said he's he, that we're all good and we don't have a problem. And then he's never replied to a text to come on the show. I've, well, just because you don't have a problem doesn't mean he wants to do your media. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I think his actions have spoken for him. He does not want to do the show. Yeah, yeah. I but, think he doesn't want a problem, but he doesn't want to be involved either. Right. Exactly. I'd love to have yeah. him anytime. Um, you know, I interviewed him after Millville a couple of years ago, also after he had a terrific race. So, uh, but I, and I did think about talking to him after this weekend, but I'm not the guy to be like, oh, hey, you crashed out. Let me go interview you because, you know, maybe he thinks, ah, the guy's only here when I crash out. I don't want to do that. 
So. Yeah, no, I understand that. I got one other question. Yeah, go ahead. Why do you think that it makes sense for Feld to have 250 LCQ, then the 450 heats, then 450 LCQ? Why don't they put the LCQ yeah. and the 250s in between? I don't know. They do – no, not the heats. They go after the heat. They I mean, have the four, semis. Four, the 40 semis, semis yeah. Then they – no, yeah, they go 250 LCQ, 450 semis, 450 LCQ. Yeah, it makes no sense. But, you would think they'd have a little bit more turnaround but, for in case something like Chiz happens where they can fix the bike. Yeah, but something. either way, Motley Lou, if you put if you put the LCQ after the semis, then then the guys from the heat to the semi don't have a chance. You know what I mean? Like you're screwed either way, kind of. Yeah, you're giving it up somewhere. Yeah, somewhere there's going to be back to back 450 races, no matter which way you do it, on either side of the intermission or whatever. Well, you're. You don't think they could have the intermission, then the the semis, then both LCQs? I mean, I think if you have the intermission in between, you got instead of having them stacked, like have right. that lead you off after the intermission. They could. They're going to have an intermission somewhere, though. I think is the point. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I understand that. I've been to the been to the races. I get you there. I just you know I see like at Arena Cross they throw in the the bracket racing and stuff like that to break it up. Those guys have to turn the bikes around instantly. You know, yeah. Donk's yeah. angry, throwing wrenches, trying to get the bike ready back out Donk. there. So Donk's always angry. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, good points, Lou. Thanks, man. Well, I think they're also right, looking you. at have the, if they have the 250 LCQ, then they have some racing. They have they give the 250 guys more time to set up. If they did the 250 LCQ, then the 450 LCQ, literally during the 450 LCQ, the 250 guys are lining up. Yeah, so they would have point. to come off and get in line. Like, they wouldn't even be able to go to the truck. No, good point. You're absolutely right. Um. Let's go with uh, Bo. Bo, what's up, man? Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, thanks for calling the Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was calling about the Rockstar bikes. Is the lack of orange on their bikes indicative of the amount of supporter they're getting, or is or are they limited by the manufacturer on how close they can look like the factory bikes? I was just curious about that because it's a lot of black. It is a lot of black. It's too much black, if you ask me. Uh, I, I, think, think I think it's, it's more Rockstar, Rockstar's involvement than a lack of KTM involvement. Rock, Rockstar's right. colors are black and yellow, so they're trying right. to keep that as much as possible, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the orange front fender, manufacturers are always big on fenders, and uh, they kept the orange front one. So, Just the frame would make it look a ton better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it, it comes... It's just you know, I'm just curious. Right, I think Rockstar, I think there's a big kind of uh there's a struggle there because red bull and ktm are pretty married together and i think rockstar mm-hmm. wants to try to break that up like if they're going to be the sponsor of the team and they're they're still going to be on ktms i don't i just don't think they want they want as little orange i think as possible and obviously ktm wants as much i think there's a big internal struggle there that's just my opinion and pure speculation but i th- i guarantee you that it's come up at some point it's, rockstar uh, wants right their on. black and yellow and ktm wants their orange and Rockstar's paying the bill. Yeah, Rockstar's definitely sinking in more than KTM is, even in yeah. terms of uh, money or bike parts or anything you want to, any kind of any count you want to make it. Um, I don't. I'm not a fan of the look myself. Just, just it's just too much black. I'm with you, but yeah. All right, thanks, all right, Bo. Guys. Thank you. Uh, all right, Fly Racing Moto 60 show. Hey, JT, did you know that Fly Racing makes more than gear? Did you know that? I was. Uh, I keep hearing about it. I've looked yeah. through the catalog a few times, but why don't you fill me in on it? No, no. Fly produces a range of bike stands, loading ramps, tie-downs, handlebars, grips, levers, and more. Visit flyracing.com to view their full range of hard parts. How long until you guys have a mural of Weston Pike over up there at the WPS? Just a massive Weston Pike mural. 
Yeah, we're uh, we have a few mascots running around. Huge Weston Pike, uh, you know, huge heads on them running around riding tricycles and stuff. Dude, the guy's killing it. Yeah, he's he's doing great. I mean, he's yep. Yep. you know top top fly rider last weekend. Yeah, doing awesome. How many years has he worn fly now? Quite a bit, right? Yeah, it's, it's been a little while. I don't know yeah. a number to throw on it, but it's it's you know he's one of our marquee guys. That's for sure. JT, you can you know you can light up the night with NFAB light mounting solutions? On a ridgeline? NFAB offers pre-runner and rear-runner light bars for conventional riding, lighting as well as overhead mounting systems for today's popular LED lighting. N-Fab.com, proud sponsors of JGR Yamaha. So Nicoletti's in for Grant this year, or this weekend. Who had round six in the pool for Josh Grant? Unfortunately, look, we're making light of it. It sucks for Josh Grant. I mean... If you're if you're if you're him, JT, like, do you? It's got to be in your head to like, I keep getting hurt. Don't get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. And then you go and get hurt. Like it's almost like this cycle. You just can't break it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is kind of his mo, though. Um, yeah, but why? Like, why is it his mo? What? Because I think he wants to. I think he always wants to push the limit. I think he knows that he makes his money and he gets big contracts because he goes fast, really fast. <laughs> so, if you if he doesn't do that, what's the point of being out there? If he's going to ride around and make sure he doesn't get hurt, then he's not going to make any money. I think he knows that. You know, right. it's unfortunate, right. but I think for him, it's it's more effective. And I know his boss feels the same way for him to go take a chance at getting on the podium or running up front or winning a heat race than it is to ride around in ninth and and not really take any chances. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what basically the J Bone, you know, interviews yeah. spelled it out. Yeah, that's that's why Josh Grant gets rides. He can he can win. He can get on the podium. He can do these things, regardless of whether you know there's a a high casualty rate that goes along with it. It's still that's what the sponsors want. Yeah, no doubt. Um, would you put Josh Grant's talent in the upper, you know, ten percent of riders out on the track? Uh, I would say even higher. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Talent yeah. for talent, he's he's up there with anybody in my opinion. Do you think that some of his reasons, and then Eileen, I, I, I I like, you're, you, you maybe don't train as much as you could, ride as much as you could, eat as well as you could, but you still try to get by on the talent, but you make some mistakes because of that. Like, I feel that is the circle he's in. Like, he's got the talent, but the, all the other stuff isn't lined up, but he still kind of still has the talent to go, as opposed to a guy like, who eats right, trains his balls off, rides his practice bike 100 hours, but is limited. Oh, wait, I think I know that guy. His name is Jason Thomas. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, uh, like, I don't think yeah. so in his case. I think it's okay. happened, sure. I think Wyndham, and at some points of his career, could have been labeled as that. But I haven't really seen it from Grant because I haven't just seen him be out there and just fall apart when he was doing really well. Um, I, the the times he's done, you know, he's run up front and just feeling it that day. He usually goes out and kills everyone or runs, gets yeah. on the podium. You know, he just doesn't fall apart. So I think you would be able to see it more. Uh, what we see from Josh Grant is he goes really fast or he crashes and and is trying to still race and not do anything like he's capable of. Um, right, right. So I don't really necessarily see it from him, but it, it's definitely happened. That's for sure. Uh, James wants to talk about shocker Chad Reed. I was going through some. I needed a quote from Chad about something I'd written recently for this uh, magazine in Germany. So I did a search on Reed on all my documents. You know, Mm -hmm. just an, oh, dude, my computer can auto write Chad Reed at this point. Um, (laughs) It's what what people want. 
Uh, but so does James. James wants to know about Chad Reed in San Diego. What's up, man? Thanks for calling the Fly hey. Racing Moto 60 show. Hey, what's going on, guys? My question was more using Chad as an example of okay. lighter confidence. And I hear you guys say a lot that, you know, Chad runs really well at San Diego. And what gives a rider such confidence for a Supercross race year in and year out at a certain venue? Because, you know, year in year out, the track changes. Yeah. And for the most part, going, like, say, a West Coast race, most of the dirt's all the same in Southern California. So, so where do riders get that confidence? Well, uh, we've talked about this a ton, and, and like Chad Reed is the prime example of a guy that uh, has is unshakable almost in his confidence. Huh, JT, what, what do you think about uh, what James asked? I think that when it comes down to is riders are complete mental basket cases, <laughs> right? And that can go both ways; it can be a positive or it can be a negative. And I think for San Diego, it's a huge positive. That's I really, really feel deep down. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, like, do you think if you just would have thought you could win, JT, that maybe you would have? No. Okay. All right. Just checking. No. I don't think it, we would take an incomputable amount of brain power on everyone think I can win. I'd still get but, 12. But, James, here's the thing, though. When JT went to Germany, he thought he could win. That's very true. But I was also racing against no, no. guys that weren't as good. I know, but I'm saying, like, it's just in your confidence, again, explaining the mind. The <laughs> it, mind. No, it definitely is. Yeah. Outdoors, I think it, there's more to it. And I think even on the East Coast sometimes, if you really, really feel comfortable with a, a, the dirt at a certain stadium, like there were a few for me that I just knew that I needed traction to do well, which is a huge part of Germany for me. Um, so I think there are, there are situations like that, but for San Diego with Chad, I don't think it's anything other than he just has had a lot of success there. And when he gets in his truck to drive over there, he's like, all right, well, it's time to go. Everything's going to go right. It's just, it's just a vibe he gets when he gets there. Yeah. It's just, and it's a lot of, it's just like the power of positive thinking. You think things are going to go right. You, you know, you ride with confidence. You expect everything to go right. And typically if you do, things do go right. Um, James, you want to, you want to fly backpack? I would love a fly backpack. Well, you won. Congratulations. Oh, awesome. Just Thank a, you. a random caller, and we decided to pick you. Thanks, man. Be Stay on the lookout for a guy with a ripped Transport. He may be beating you down. <laughs> He'll be, be very angry. He has his books in a plastic bag. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks, James. Stay on the line. All right. Thanks, man. All right. So, JT, with that, we're going to let you go. Our own Jason Thomas. Uh, thanks for the insights. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Good luck with everything. I'll see you this weekend. All right. See you guys. All right. See you. Let's transition smoothly into our next guest. He is in Qualcomm Stadium right now for press day. Jason Wygant from RacerX Online. What's up, man? That's right. Just doing press for my man Brandon Short here, just trying to pop up ticket sales. Yeah. So everyone come down to <laughs> San Diego and uh, watch the race. Okay. So you're... Where, where you're from, come here and buy a ticket at full price. Brandon Short, who's handling PR this weekend, would appreciate it. Um, so you're there right now, live in the stadium. Who's riding? Anybody riding yet? Uh, no one's riding yet, but you did have some riding this morning, right? They've been riding since 5 a.m., and this uh, is a packed house. We have the TLD team, which, as you know, has about 17 riders. Yep. Uh, Rockstar's here with Tedesco and Anderson. Uh, Hill and Tickle are here also, and I'm sure they'll bring in a couple of uh, uh, local guys that they usually do some, some privateers and stuff, so you're talking a lot of guys. Yeah, Pretty really? Cool. really. Um, did the interviews already happen? Have you spoken to these riders? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Eli Tomac's here as well. Yeah, so I talked to all of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh Tomac did some bike work this week. You know how Anaheim 1 is for most riders. Like, they, they test all they want, and they go to the races, and they find out, okay, this wasn't quite what I thought. Yeah. Uh, well, for Tomac, that only happened now. Is That basically was his Anaheim 1. Good point. Right. So, um, he felt that he struggled in the corners pretty bad last week. 
which showed considering he was jumping things, no one else was jumping, but the lap times were never quite there at the top. Right. So he did a lot of work to try to make the bike turn better this week. He says he could, he could tell other parts that were rust on him, but uh, other parts he knew what he needed to change in the bike. So he's hoping it'll be a little better this time. And then I asked him the million-dollar question, which is, dude, look at Roxon. Does that bum you out? Right. Uh, yeah, and, and he, he said a little bit, but I guess you have to more importantly kind of be encouraged with the guy won a race, and I was battling him last year, so that's right. probably more good than bad. Hey, um, anything, uh, Jason Anderson uh, dropped me a hint after a couple races ago that he might ride 450 on the East Coast. Uh, and I know he's doing press day today. Any, any, any rumors on that? Yeah, so I dragged him over to Dave Gallon to ask them both together at the same time. I made him walk next to his team manager, and I said, so, hey, are you going to ride a big bike on the East? And yeah. Gallon said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So there we go. Um, and he said, well, he, he, Anderson said, are you sure? Like, I think he wants <laughs> I, And I was like, this is a negotiation right here. I picked the table in front of the stadium. This is the contract negotiation. Right, right. I, I wouldn't do it. I was surprised when he said it. Like, wow, you know? Um, well, uh, you know what I think might be? This is going to be a strange situation. I, I, I think this might be what's hanging over it. I believe Anderson's deal is up at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and if he wins the title, we know the rule. You know, if you race the class for more years, you yeah. win the title, you're out. That's what happened to Tickle. Yep. So he's kind of in a strange spot. Like, we're all just thinking points and title individual weeks, but he's going to probably end up being a big bike rider next year, and maybe he wants to show what he can do. Yeah, his, his, I know his agent is, is going around to 450 teams saying, hey, I've got Jason Anderson. What do you got? So I know that that's, yeah. that's the move yeah. right now, if you're, if you're Anderson, looking to go up. Um, those, those rules are weird. Um, you know, guys that you think of just up and coming, they're suddenly out, out of the class already. Did you get a chance to talk to Cole Seeley? Uh, the uh, Supercross God did me right. He's not here. Oh, wow, I'm surprised. Um, he wrote earlier. He was here. He wrote earlier. He did some press for the local um, media, which is really the job here, but yeah. I don't understand. Once again, our paths have not crossed. Um, Five rounds down. So far, <laughs> so good. I did a few of those 4.30, 5.30 in the mornings as a mechanic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're terrible. They're terrible. I don't know how you could yeah. jump a triple at 4.30 in the morning. Um, Jesse Nelson told me he wadded it up. He had the second biggest crash of his life, he said, here. Really? This morning. And I'm like, Were they, did they get that on camera? And he's like, no, I was just supposed to be riding around in the background. So he's here at like 6.30 in the morning riding, killing himself, and no one even shoots it or sees it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, so we, I already got an angry tweet about this, so be careful. Uh, although somehow your tweets seem to fall under the radar a lot of times. But where do you have <laughs> Filthy Phil placing this weekend? That's going to be hard. I mean, it's going to be hard because – I don't think he's uh, really ridden out here much. You know, I, he rides a Club of Mets for sure, and they have a Supercross track. But um, I don't know. You you were the big fan of this program, uh, more so than I was, <laughs> and still will tell you that. Uh, I just think it's going to be tough with these guys racing week in and week out, and also you know riding and testing together at the tracks out here. It's just kind of where the it's kind of where the speed is right now. That everybody's out here right now, and he's not been a part of any of it. Not on Saturdays, not during the week. Right. I just think that very first weekend it's going to be hard to jump in and 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 do really well. Like, should he make the main? Yeah. Could he okay. get you know okay. fifteen to twenty? Yeah. But I don't know. But it's more than that. That's kind of what we were thinking. You know what I mean? The whole time, the whole way. So um, I said thirteen. Well, you can offend people. You know, you can say a guy's going to get eleventh, and that can offend. Somebody. Well, no, no, no. I said Phil's going to be thirteenth. JT said somewhere between uh, twelve and fifteen, and uh, 
Some guy on Twitter said, well, you're, you're such a dick. Filthy Phil is a top 10 guy. So, there we go. Yeah, see, I'm going to disagree. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll go 15-20 okay. or 22. Well, this, 22 this guy is not going to like you. Um, hey, He'll probably won't either. <laughs> interesting that you talked about uh, Jesse Nelson because that is a question. We didn't, JT and I didn't touch on the 250s at all, um, so I'm going to lean more towards that with you. So, like, who's been better, McElrath or Nelson? Who, well, breaking like, news. I'll break it right okay. here on the show, Steve Mathis. Dave Gallon, your buddy, just walked by. Um, Jesse Nelson, the team didn't, I don't know why they do this, they keep the thing secret. The team did not want him to tell anybody that in November he was at Barsha's house, going to stay there for a month, and had a huge crash, broke his sternum, bruised his heart, had, was in the hospital for four days, and only rode seven days before Anaheim 1. In fact, Anaheim 1 was only, like, they originally said you're off the bike six and a half weeks, which uh-huh. was Anaheim 1. Yeah. He got on a week early. So he's in no condition. I'm like, why didn't you tell him you got this? And he's like, team manager said, keep it quiet. Don't tell anybody. And he's like, now I'm tired of going out there and sucking and everybody wondering why. <sighs> so so I, I think McElrath has actually been better. Right. But uh, obviously there's some extra circumstances. McElrath better than I thought, by the way. I don't know about you, but he's really come on uh, after Anaheim won. Yeah, right now they sit 7-8-9 in the points. Malcolm, Stewart. I think, but I think Malcolm's yeah. been better than those guys. He's won some heat races and uh, he looks yeah. pretty good. Yeah, but... His, his peak is higher, but he's had some inconsistencies and stuff. Well, I definitely – I mean, why would you want to tell the media or anybody that you that you broke your sternum and, you know, and uh, bruised your heart? I mean, that just looks – you just look like a pussy then. I mean, why would you tell somebody that? Yeah, why? you wouldn't. You'd yeah. rather just go out there and, you know, get oh, ninth yeah. and then have people wonder what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, go out there and, yeah, get ninth, and then everybody goes, hey, what's up with Jesse Nelson? Don't tell anybody that. Yeah. wasn't his idea. He said he wanted to – and he said – I don't even know if he has permission to say this. He just said, I'm just sick of you know not doing well and not telling people why, so I'm just telling everybody now. 702-586-7857. Got a question for RacerX Online's Jason Wygan. He's down at the stadium right now, Qualcomm Stadium. Or, yeah, Qualcomm. I was going to say Jack Murphy. That's really old, though. Um, it was. By the way, it was. Uh, mm-hmm. sneakily, Qualcomm has come in and become one of the worst stadiums around. Didn't know when it happened, but it just sort of happened. Well, not, not a nice everything's place. been upgraded through the years. This one is not. No. Uh, it, no. I mean, it doesn't affect the, the brass tax or the actual racing, but uh, like I was saying to my wife today, I was going to the stadium. I'm like, this is a weird place to go. There is literally, there's nothing inside at all. Like, if the weather is bad, which San Diego isn't used to, so they don't worry about it. But if it rains or if it's cold here, it is a miserable place to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a thing. Is there a single enclosed building or area in this stadium at all? I don't think there is. No, I don't think so. I think that when they when no. they um, when they did it, they were just like, "F it, we live in San Diego, and you don't." So this is you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, What's interesting if you folks ever get to go to these races, you can see the evolution of stadiums. This is the prototype 1970s stadium out in the middle of the suburbs, huge parking lot, doesn't have any luxury boxes or, or anything cool. It's just a big concrete thing of seats. Yeah, that's the way it used to be, but uh, but which is, they've come a long way. Since. Which is a lot like what they did at Rogers Center, and that's why it's so dated. It just it's just concrete monolith that's enclosed and like very unpersonal unfeeling you know like and that's what sort of the 80s well, that's the was. stadium in the future that's the stadium in the future you know it it was yeah no doubt but it just no one did it okay so back to the 250 class um yeah. anderson and Seeley are tied wilson wilson is back in this thing um with his two dominant performances should have won oakland one a three are you with me and JT on the mental arm pump that Dean was suffering was mental early in the season? 
I think anytime there's arm pump involved, you've got to assume that there's there's something mental to it for sure. Uh, I think where I was thinking a little differently than you guys was, uh, you guys are saying it's that pressure thing that he was expected to win and that was hard to deal with. I still have to wonder if there's not something to how little uh, racing he has done mm-hmm. in, a, in a long time. He did run Monster Cup, but uh, beyond that, man, it, it had been a while. So I think it might have something to do with that as well. Um, more impressive season so far. They're, they're separated, by, uh, separated by only three points, but Justin Hill or Cooper Webb? Hill's got one podium, Webb's got two. I would say they've both been quietly good. Yeah, it depends on how much of a curve you want to give to the fact that it's Webb's first year mm-hmm. and Hill's second. Um, you know, I'm sure if you're Webb, you would expect to be way, way better next year. You're going to think that, you know, year two is a huge leg up on being in your first year. So it depends on how much weight you want to put into that. You know me, I'm very big on who's a rookie, who's not a rookie. Right. Yeah. I think that matters. So I think, yeah, they've been darn close to equal. And maybe pure speed-wise, Hill's done some pretty impressive things. Maybe I'd even put him ahead of Webb, but it's the second year. It's Webb's first. So I'm going to say overall Webb's more impressive, I think. Right, right. Who do you like in San Diego this weekend, Anderson or Seeley? Or, or Dean Wilson? Do you like Dean Wilson to, to put some more points on those guys, gain some more points on those guys? I do. I like, I like what Wilson's doing right now. He's, he's got that house money situation, and we've seen Dean before. Uh, when he's relaxed and having fun, that's always when he does his best damage, even outdoors. When he won that championship, that's really what turned around. Yep. And if you remember the year, you know, this string of injuries started at, literally at the hands of Tomac. You remember it was that race yeah. in Seattle yep. where he went down. With the shoulder. Well, right. early that year, Tomac was cleaning up. Tomac had a huge points lead, and Wilson was considered out of it. And then we came to San Diego, and Wilson was just whipping it all day. Won the race at these. Tomac crashed out. And, and any time Dean gets counted out, it almost seems you know, the favorite becomes someone else right. when he seems to get better. Um, so I'm going to pick him to win the race. I think title-wise, I, I like what I'm hearing from Anderson. I asked him, and he said all week people have been asking him, you know, to try to build up this, this incident with, with Malcolm, but uh, yeah, he's not having any of it. He knows you can't worry about little things like that when you're going for a title. He really seems to, for a guy that's not been in this position before, yeah, uh, be handling it well. No, he handled it fine after the race, really good. Yeah, he's like, it is what it is. That's what happens when you're back in the pack, and we'll move on. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, he. Yeah, you know. And remember, he had to pass Malcolm again. You know, and he everyone did, yeah. was kind of wondering, ooh, will he hit him back? Nope, he's got more important things to worry about than grudge racing. Yeah, which is which is a nice uh, nice thing to see for sure uh, going forward from yep. here. Um, yep. The uh, the track itself in San Diego. What do you what do you see from it? What do you see from the layout? And what's going to be um, are the whoops big? Uh, I guess. What do you see? I haven't been in there yet. <laughs> I tried to. Nice I reporting. Guys are calling me, and the security won't let me in. Nice so reporting. There you go. Wait, you're you're, yeah. there, you're there for press day, and you can't see the track. Uh, I'm going to try one more time. Let's do it live. All right. Do it live. By the way, Eli Tomac's bike. This is cool. They got a little uh, military motif. He's got it's an all white bike with the uh, urban camo. Oh, right, let's go look at the track. Yep. Uh, let me go find. Him. Yep. Shut down. Shut down. Shut down. Shut down. Yep. But you're okay. All right. Well, what can you do? I'll have to do some wrangle. I'll have to do some wrangling uh, when it's called over to you. make my way down to there tr- to try to get on there. Right. Uh, hey, yeah, I would the- like to as press C press day, but it's, <laughs> press day is strange. It doesn't run by the same rules as uh, the regular days. It's kind of just yeah. You lock out or you don't lock out. Seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. We got Jason Wygant just for a couple minutes more here on the Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show presented by NFAB. And uh, if there's one rider I'm not surprised going with Camo, it's Eli Tomac, by the way. 
Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nash, what's happening? Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Touching base. I've been busy on Monday nights for the past couple of weeks, so I figured I'd swing in on the the, uh, the Moto 60 show, which is awesome. Fly is awesome gear. Good stuff. So uh, I don't know if you've covered this because I just walked in the door from work, but how has RV's demeanor been? And building on what Sinjin spoke to you on Monday night, I'm confident in his ability, and it really doesn't matter what I or anyone else thinks. I know RV is confident. Is he, based on your analysis, Steve or Jason, is he uh, a much wiser, older, willing to let the race come to him and manage the points for a 17-year series? Or uh, are the, some of the speculators, which I disagree with, uh, on point with thinking that he's starting to slip? Which, again, I can't even believe I said that sentence because it's so horrible. <laughs> what do you think, Weege? I don't think – before we get to Weege, I guess let me answer. <laughs> what do you think, Weege, and then I answer? Um <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think RV is perfectly fine with. I was surprised he dropped back. I think he's perfectly fine with third. He's still mm-hmm. the favorite. Still got probably the most uh, raw speed out of anybody, and uh, his demeanor has been fine. He, I didn't talk to him after a three, but trust mm-hmm. me, during the day there was plenty insults and plenty of mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, he, he liked is the that, fa- Steve. Is that your barometer? Like, if you get verbally accosted by no. RV, you it, know the spirits are high. He, ne- but that's the thing, Nash. Like, yeah, uh, like he never changes it. So, you know. <laughs> what do you think, Weege? First, uh, the thing I'm most shocked by is uh, Nash managed to put Ryan Villapoto and Sinjin in the same sentence. <laughs> right, uh, right. <laughs> that was impressive. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was an issue at all. But uh, I'd hit this on the the Race Rex podcast we did. What I'm noticing is um, there's getting to be that we're sick of Ryan Villapoto winning backlash, I think, just in general from fans. And that's understandable. Um, he's won three titles in a row. He's won half the races in the last four years. So people want to see a change. So I think a lot of the he's slipping, he's slipping, he's slipping, to me is coming from people wanting that. To be the case. <laughs> you're, you're looking for the answer you want, which is he's not going to win this title a race early this time. It is going to be a battle of the finish. Uh, I, I bet you, if I could read mine, when the gate's about to drop in that main event, the entire building is saying, I hope Ryan Villapoto gets a bad start. <laughs> I, I guarantee it, because you, you, everybody knows that's going to be the key to having close racing. You do not want him to get a whole shot. Now, this year he's gotten good starts, and it hasn't even necessarily resulted in win. But everybody likes to handicap him a little bit. Um, hey, I'm on the track. I made it work. Oh, you're on the track. Huh. I'm on the track. So, yeah, I don't think he's flipping up. I think that's uh, a lot of people telling themselves what they want to hear because we don't want to see him wrap up the title a race early uh, or three races early like he's done in the past. So it's, it's fans creating their mental destiny is what I'm hearing we each say. <laughs> it's, it's something, and it's not just Filippoto, and it's not just this year. In general, we all go into Supercross hoping this is the year where it's super competitive all year long, mm-hmm. every race. Six guys can win any weekend all the way through Vegas. We all want that. We all hope that, and I think that's a lot of what you're getting right now. Hopefully you're right. I, I would love it. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, <clears throat> Weege, did, did, and I won't wreck this for you until you – when's the next time you plan to be in the studio? Because there's some items there that you will definitely like to feast your eyes upon at the pulp of yeah, I can't, I can't. I can't tell them. I know, Steve. Please do not tell right, them. Right. This is this – is, I'll be – you're going to see a grown man cry. Just like when you met Alex Van Halen – or Eddie Van Halen or Alex. Alex. I did not meet Eddie. Eddie would have been – You would no. be a hot – you'd be a hot – mess if you met Eddie Van Halen. I wouldn't even not. know what to say. I wouldn't Thank even know you. what to say. Um, yeah. We're working on getting uh, Weege in studio. We have priced out some red-eye flights and stuff, so I think it's going to happen at some point. So 
One final thing that actually is useful for the show, for both of you in all seriousness, and if you've already talked about it, shut me up. How, I mean, the Cowie looks amazing. Steve, as a, and I'm being serious now, as a factory mechanic, when you're watching that bike work, everybody's saying, and I'm sitting there as a fan looking at that bike looks, it looks like the bike this year. Well, What's, it's, it's, you know what, Nash? You know what looks like the bike every year? The winner's bike. Seriously. Well, it's, it's amazing how that works for other riders in the pits. I've heard from other riders the Cowie looks so good. The Cowie mm-hmm. looks so good. I think the only thing I can agree on is that the KTM has a ways to go in the whoops. Other than that, you know, the guys do look pretty good. So, Okay. Thanks, Nash. Hey, cheers. Have a good show, guys. Bye. Thank you. Well, again, how's the track before we let you go? What's, what's the... Hear that. I hear that beeper. They're rolling out. They're about to go riding. Wow. Too bad we got to let you go. Um, uh, the dirt looks good. That's all I can tell you. Only half the track built. Uh, that's all I got for you anyway. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thanks for coming yeah. on, Wygant. And by the way, the 800 is here. I do not want to count them out. I didn't mention them earlier. The 800 has just rolled up. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, does he have any is Michael Byrne there at all with keys? Uh, only keys I've seen are on the janitors here. All right. Thanks, Jason mm-hmm. Wygant. Thank you, Weege. See you guys. All right. Jason Wygant, everybody, on the uh, Fly Racing Moto 60 show live from Qualicom. Tits, that's cutting-edge journalism. Can't beat it. You can't. No. Nope. He's right there. Yeah, literally. Uh, all right, that has been another great, fantastic show. Fly Racing, Moto 60 show presented by Infab. Fly Racing designs its race where to complement a rider's natural movements on the motorcycle. No unnecessary distractions, straightforward, no-nonsense function, fit, and style. Flies distributed by Western Power Sports. And, of course, Infab, proud associate sponsor of JGR Yamaha. And Justin Brayton, Josh Grant, and Filthy Phil, I want to thank... Jason Wygant and Jason Thomas for coming on. We gave away a neat free backpack. We gave away two tickets to San Diego Supercross, courtesy of NFAB. Good times. Tits, thank you for everything. Yep. Thanks for the callers. We appreciate it. We will be back next Thursday with more talk about the opening round of the East Coast 250 Supercross Series. How exciting. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.